Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. Actually, now, actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. It ain't no man. Chad. You got to be something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Minasa. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that's, stuff. That's... The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad morning here. It's the Gridiron Stud Show. One day after Labor Day. I wasn't laboring on Labor Day. I think that's how that whole thing works. You don't you don't really work. So we didn't have a show yesterday. We took a break from the Gridiron Stud Show, but there was no break on the Gridiron this past weekend. College football kicked off. Plenty to talk about there. Uh, high school football continues as you had the uh, out-of-division and out-of-state matchups as they continued this weekend. A really big-time thriller at American Heritage this weekend, plus some other games that went down. The NFL kicks off this weekend, so at the end of this weekend, we've got a full-fledged starting and kickoff of the 2015 football season as all three levels will be full go this weekend. And uh, that provides us with a whole lot to talk about. Some things I want to touch on the show today What's the best football team, high school football team in South Florida? That's the question that's out there. Is it St. Thomas? Can it still be American Heritage after taking a loss on Saturday against a very good DeMatha team? Is it Flanagan, who defeated Coconut Creek on Friday night? Is it Hallandale? Is it Columbus? What are your thoughts out there? Can we get people to call in? Without a biased opinion on that, that'll be very interesting to see if that can happen. So what's the best high school football team in South Florida? The number to call if you have an opinion on that is 347-633-9365. I don't want any cowards out there. You're listening to me. You have an idea. Call into the show. We'd like to uh, hear you. And also provide at least one reason why and not that I went to XYZ school and graduated from there and I'm an alumni. You know, you could say that and then also add a very good reason as well as to why your football team is the top high school football team in Dade and Broward County. That's what I'm calling South Florida here. If you're pissed off from Palm Beach that you're not included in this, feel free to call in as well and toss your school into the mix and let me know why some school from Palm Beach should be included uh, in the list of the big-time teams in South Florida and be considered the top team in South Florida. Feel free to do that. Again, the number to call, 347-633-9365. We had football on Labor Day yesterday. Ohio State, the number one team in the land, took on Virginia Tech under the lights on ESPN. I want to hear your thoughts on that and what do you think the Buckeyes are going to do this year. They did come out with the victory in that contest. In the process, Virginia Tech loses their starting Quarterback Connor Brewer got smashed up there in that game a little bit, took some big hits, and one that took him out, as I believe he broke his collarbone in the game. He's he's out of there. What does that mean to Virginia Tech season? Are they going to be better or worse? Crazy question to ask, right? They did lose their starting quarterback, but they do have some others that could come in and play. 
So I'd like to hear your thoughts on how the Buckeyes did and what they look like. And do they have a chance to repeat as national champions of college football based on what you saw last night? This is all about knee-jerk uh, Monday, but it is Tuesday. like to do that show right after the first week because there will be all kind of knee-jerking going on. People saying the team sucks. People saying this team is the best team since sliced bread. You get all that after the first week, and you just got to love that. Oddsmakers love it, too, because they're going to catch a whole bunch of you in your fly traps uh, this weekend. So uh, we've got that also on the table. You could discuss that here on the show. What do you think of the Buckeyes? Uh, Serena Williams going for the slam. And uh, let me I got this question for you. Can we just now can we just call her the best that's ever played this game if she completes this complete year grand slam by winning the US Open? Is that even a debate anymore? Or do we still want to throw in names like Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova and uh, all those other names that people like to mix around? Can we just go ahead and call Serena Williams the best if she gets through and wins this US Open and finishes the uh, calendar year slam? Or do we think that the uh, debate will continue as to whether she was the best or not? Me personally, you know, I mean, whether she does this or not, I think she's the best that's ever played this game. And I'm someone who's watched a little bit of tennis. Not a lot, but a little bit of tennis over the years. And I'd have to call her the best, at least that I've ever witnessed. So, But does she need this full calendar year slam to be called the best ever to play this game? Or will they even still, will there still be a debate? if she completes this task. Uh, just something we could throw out there. Finally went to go see Straight out of Compton. It's about time for me to do that. Went and saw that this weekend. Um, and it's a great movie, by the way. If you haven't seen it, slap yourself like I did. Slap myself. Go out and see the movie. It is a great movie. I love movies that show how uh, great things started. We can call it great. A lot of great things came out of the start of NWA. It was a narrative at the time. And, you know, it's funny. Their career coincided with my arrival in L.A. I moved from Florida to L.A. around the time that uh, NWA started up. So I was kind of there to see the whole thing uh, just blow up out west. And then it traveled all the way back east. It was interesting to see that uh, and interesting to see how the whole thing started from scratch, where it started, how it started. And uh, I, I think the movie was well put together. They did some great casting, too, by the way. I mean, you can't get any better than Ice Cube's son, who looks very much like his father. I thought they did a good job in casting with uh, several of the characters in there, Dr. Dre, uh, Jerry Heller. Um, you know, that's, that was a good portrayal, um, be, you know, from the angle that uh, the, the, the makers of this movie wanted to go with. Um, they even did a very good... Although it was a small part in the movie, did a good job with Tupac and uh, and Snoop Dogg. I, th I think very good casting, which is a big part of uh, having some success with a documentary. So very good job there. Did also though remind me is how much music's changed and really it music really really changed with N.W.A. in the start of the gangster rap movement because around that time, 1988, there was a also a movement of unity in black communities. There was the Back to Africa movement. There were symbols, people dressing in African-type wear um, and fight the power and talks of Black Panthers and uh, what, you know, reliving and talking about and trying to learn the history of what happened in the 60s with the civil rights movement and slavery. And um, that got washed away within like two or three years. And then gangster rap took, took over. So I have some thoughts as to why that happened. Um, you know, I think record companies took it and ran with it. And I think the uh, Back to Africa movement and the unity of uh, African Americans in this country was a little bit of a scary thing for some of the powers that be. And uh, they very much well know in this country that uh, African American communities really are motivated, controlled, and, uh, you know, really, it's really tied into the music. And uh, I believe someone there noticed that and uh, started a movement in the other direction because there couldn't be more opposites, polar opposites, than 
a Back to Africa movement with music like Soul to Soul and De La Soul and Public Enemy and then the gangster rap, which again was a narrative of what was going on in the communities out in Los Angeles. Hard to tell those young men not to put pen to paper and perform and tell people what was going on in their neighborhoods, obviously oppressed by the actions of LAPD. But also, too, you know, you had the oppression by LAPD, but you got to also keep in mind, blacks killing blacks in large numbers and quantities in Los Angeles as you had the whole Bloods versus Crip things going on. And sometimes people want to kind of forget that. They want to throw everything on LAPD who, listen, by by all means, unscrupulous, cross the line, uh, ridiculous in the way in which they police the communities of Los Angeles County. No doubt about that. But let's not lose sight of the fact that blacks were killing blacks in record numbers over colors and streets that they didn't know. So uh, all that brought back to mind by uh, the movie Straight Out of Compton. So very interesting to see how all that came to be. And and uh, you had some very successful individuals come out of the whole NWA movement, Dr. Dre and Ice Cube, uh, the two biggest in that. If they've gone on to to star in many ways, Ice Cube in film, Dr. Dre in creating companies and great music that uh, people from coast to coast have uh, enjoyed. And, uh, you know, some big successes came out of this. So interesting to see how they came from humble beginnings and now they're uh, pretty much big time, if that's what you want to call it. And, I mean, there is no other way to call it. Uh, Dr. Dre close to becoming a billionaire. Did he complete that Beats by Dre? I've heard that deal was completed and not completed. Nevertheless, uh, neither one of those guys hurting for any money. So very interesting. Throwing this out there, last night, Uh, You know, there was all this back and forth about who was going to start as quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Was it going to be JT Barrett? Was it going to be Cardell Jones? A word is that that was kept a secret to the players. And by that, I mean the quarterbacks all the way up until game time. Does anyone believe that? That Cardell Jones was told right before the start of the kickoff that he was going to be the guy? Does anyone believe that? I don't know about that one. And I'm not sure where that came from, but I did read that today. That Cardell Jones was told he was going to be the starter right before the beginning of uh, their game against Virginia Tech last night. I find that one hard to believe, but, hey, who knows? Who knows? didn't really matter. Both Cardell Jones and J.T. Barrett played in a game. Cardell Jones was a starter and played the majority of the game and did uh, quite well. Wasn't great from a passing efficiency standpoint. Hit 50% of his passes, but the passes he did hit were big timers. And uh, he did about as much damage with his legs as he did with uh, his arm, as is typical in an Urban Meyer offense. The uh, design quarterback runs. The quarterback draw play was big for Ohio State yesterday. You know, that was a big play. And Cardell Jones is a big guy. Isn't exceptionally quick, but uh, apparently very tough to bring down. Broke several tackles yesterday. Virginia Tech's defense did come out. You know, after the first two quick touchdowns, they did kind of assert themselves a little bit, mostly in that second quarter before uh, falling apart a little bit in that second half, and things just kind of got out of hand. We'll talk more about that in the college football segment. But again, here on the show today, I'm asking who is the best high school football team in South Florida, primarily Dade and Broward County. Is it St. Thomas? Is it American Heritage? Is it Flanagan? Is it Hallandale? Is it Columbus? Is there someone else? Got that question for you. Can't be Central or Booker T, who have been – the big part of that discussion over the last three, four years can't be those guys. Sorry, you boys down there in Dade County. Central got completely punched in the face against the math on national television. Same for Booker T as they went out and played St. Thomas. They got completely backhanded by St. Thomas. So can't include them in that discussion. If you disagree and you think either one of those teams 
should somehow be involved in this discussion, feel free to call 347-633-9365. But I'm going to take a break. When I get back, we're going to talk high school football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. More on that right after this. What's the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
Tuesday after a Labor Day. No flexing around here. We're back on the Gridiron Stud Show 1020. High school football talk time. I think I'm going to kick this off with uh, some rankings for you. These are the rankings by uh, Max Preps. I always go to them with the rankings because, you know, Max Preps is they – do, they do a fairly good job covering high school football uh, around the country. And uh, here's their rankings. I'll give you the top give you the top 20 from their uh excellent 25 because it's just too much for me to go ahead and read 25 of these things. So, real quick, this was going into the weekend. All right? So, I do need to uh give that disclaimer. Bishop Gorman is number 1. Max Preps loves Bishop Gorman, by the way. Really loves him. Is Max Preps based in Las Vegas, need to look into that. Anyway, Bishop Gorman, number one country, number one high school football team in the country, according to Max Preps, excellent 25. Number two is St. Thomas Aquinas right here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Number three, Centennial from Corona in California. DeMatha, who made a trip down here to South Florida. They were number four. Don't know if they'll move up. Number five, Allen, Texas. Number six, Colquitt County out in Moultrie, Georgia. You heard of them? I haven't. Mallard Creek, Charlotte, North Carolina is number seven. Number eight is local Flanagan High School out of Pembroke Pines, Florida. Number nine is Katy. They took a loss. I believe they're going to drop. St. John Bosco, number 10. That's the uh, St. John Bosco out of Bellflower, California. Number 11, Ocean Lakes in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Someone get a look at Ocean Lakes. Tell me why they're in the top 20. They might belong there. I'm not saying anything. Number 12 is Archer High School at Lawrenceville, Georgia. Number 13, Spartansburg out of South Carolina. Martin, Arlington, Texas. Number 15, Mainland out of Daytona Beach, Florida. Number 16 is Clay Chalkville, Pinson, Alabama. Number 17 is Archbishop Rommel out of Metairie, Metairie, Louisiana. Number 18, South Panola out of Batesville, Mississippi. We got a team from Batesville, Mississippi, as number 18 in the country. Interesting. Number 19 is American Heritage, Plantation, Florida. Number 20 is McEckern out of Potter Springs, Georgia. That's the top 20 from the excellent 25. And as a lot of you know, Max Preps does have two major polls. The other one is Max Preps Freeman ranking. Uh, they've got number one, Bishop Gorman. How about that? Number two is also St. Thomas. Number three is IMG Academy, folks. All right, so the Freeman rankings, I'm going to just tell you the ridiculousness of the Freeman rankings, okay? American Heritage went out and played IMG in the opener at IMG, beats them 19-7. to IMG's number three in the, in the country. And uh, as I stroll through this whole rankings right here, American Heritage is not even in the top 25 of this Freeman. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm not even going to read this ridiculous Freeman rankings. It's just stupid. That right off rip, they've just lost all credibility with me. I might not even read the Freeman rankings for the rest of the year. Please tell me that this is an old ranking, and if it is, why the hell is it up here next to the brand new? Well, I don't want to say brand new because they haven't come out with the new ones yet. But come on, are you serious? IMG is number three. American Heritage, no way on the list. Me and Freeman are done. Done with Freeman. So me and Freeman are out. Sorry about that. Freeman, you take a fat L for that one. Uh, my question of the day is, what's the best high school football team in South Florida? Again, is that St. Thomas? Who's the highest ranked team in the Max Preps, if you uh, want to go by Max Preps? The excellent 25, by the way, because Freeman's dead to me. Freeman just died. Freeman died on August 8, 2000. I mean, September 8th. Damn, am I behind? September 8, 2015, the Freeman rankings died for him. I'm going to have to find another poll to be reading off here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Freeman died. IMG number three, American Heritage not ranked. IMG lost at home to American Heritage in the opener. I mean, come on. What are you drinking over there, okay? You drinking them big mouth Mickeys? Got to be crazy. But nevertheless, uh, yes, best high school football team in South Florida is it St. Thomas. Is it a Flanagan who's still undefeated? Had a chance to watch them versus Coconut Creek. A very sloppy game, by the way. Don't know if the rain played any part in it. There had to be 30-plus penalties in that game. I don't know that we had a stretch in that contest where there were more than three plays at any point in time without a flag being thrown and an assortment of things. Sometimes, you know, officials do get heavy-handed. They do. I don't know how things are in the rest of the country, but uh, officials sometimes want to be the center of the show. May have been a little bit of that in the show, but a lot of these penalties weren't. Offsides, false starts, holding, pass interference, 
I mean, everything. They hit every single penalty you could get in a football game. It was a very sloppily played game. Coconut Creek could not protect the passer whatsoever. Flanagan records 11 sacks in a game. They could have easily have had around 15, 18, 20. Flanagan's defense, front seven, front eight, really got after Coconut Creek. To say the least, Jakari Harrison, Coconut Creek quarterback, might still be in an ice bath right now. He might be Skyping his way into class today uh, in the midst of a complete ice bath that he needs to sit in for three days because that kid was on the ground a whole hell of a lot. And Flanagan's defenders spared him none. They were coming in like missiles trying to take the kid's head off. So uh, uh, not the crispest game ever played. Hallandale, perhaps they belong in a discussion in a game that people thought might be a little bit of a contest when they took on Dillard. Uh, Hallandale had these boys completely dominated by halftime. I want to say the score was either 34 to 6, 31 6, somewhere around there. Dominated them. And, uh, you know, Dillard's not what they, they're not your father's Dillard, but expected to be a better team here. They had a decent showing in their kickoff classic against St. Thomas. Always hard to, you know, judge it off of that, but Hallandale completely dominated this team. Uh, and Hallandale will have opportunities during the season to prove their worth in terms of uh, competition they do take on St. Thomas. So it'll be interesting to see how they fare against, you know, something bigger and better. But how about Columbus? Beating Jackson, beating Northwest, taking on some of the bigger, more historical programs in Dade County and holding their own. And how much of a chance does Columbus have of uh, getting back to Orlando this year? They will need to deal with the likes of uh, Coral Gables and Flanagan and Deerfield possibly and all that, depending on who wins. Tough road to get there, but uh, from the looks of it, they're ready for the long haul. You know, Columbus is one of those teams that's not going to beat themselves, so you better come uh, correct. And 8A is going to be pretty interesting. Look, South Florida football is going to be interesting this year because you just don't have – uh, the one team or the one or two teams that are just out there in front of everybody, which is why I have this question put out there today. Who's the best football team in South Florida? So, again, feel free to call in on that. Number is 347-633-9365. A disturbing thing went on this weekend. I don't know if uh, any of you have had a chance to see it, uh, but it was making the rounds on uh, on social media. And uh, it involved some high school football players that were uh, not too happy about a call that was made that went against them. This happened in Marble Falls, Texas. Two San Antonio high school football players uh, have been suspended, could face criminal charges. After one hit a referee from behind and the other subsequently speared him. Um, And, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, easy to find it. It's all over Twitter, all over Facebook. Uh, the two defensive backs were from John Jay High School. Uh, the back judge was sitting there and you know, the final moments, games being closed out. John Jay High School is, you know, going to lose the game 15-9. Uh, referee's watching the play as he should from behind the defensive line, and he just completely gets leveled by the free safety causing the referee's head to snap back. The other player then, now after the referee hits the deck, comes in and spears him. Uh, Both players were immediately ejected from the game, which doesn't say much because, again, the game was in the waning moments, um, and now there will be a complete investigation. Uh, The referee did want to press charges. Don't know if he'll follow through with that. And uh, they're talking about these two young men not playing football ever again. Just what goes in to making a decision like that? you got to have control of your emotions. Look, everyone goes through this. You know, high school football teams and coaches uh, complain every week about officiating. And do know this about officiating. I'm not here to make excuses for it. You get horrendous calls. You do get horrendous calls. Uh, this is not a full-time job for high school referees. It can't be. It just won't pay enough. So there isn't uh, a certain level of training for these guys. They're going to miss calls. That's going to happen. But when it does happen, this cannot be the response to it. So the Austin Football Officials Association uh, 
wants those players to never play football again, and that's probably going to be what happens. You know, and this was not an accident. It's, you know, one of the worst displays of uh, sportsmanship um, that you'll ever see. And certainly something that uh, officials and people that are, you know, concerned about and control high school football don't want duplicated. So with that in mind, you can expect the penalty to be heavy on these two young men because they don't want any kind of duplicate. I mean, if this is a two-game penalty or something like that or four-game suspension, I don't know if you send a message to the rest of uh, high school football players across the country because there may be some out there in a fit of frustration and knowing that this is only two or four games may feel like, hey, uh, we could do something like what those two guys in San Antonio did. So you can expect this penalty to be severe. Very poor choice by these two young men from John Jay High School. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if that uh, if high school football is taken away from them forever. And that's a pretty harsh penalty to pay for this stupidity that they laid down. So what led to this? Uh, before the referee was hit, uh, two J, uh, John Jay players uh, had been ejected on separate plays. Marble Falls was trying to run out the clock and call for a handoff toward the left side of the line of scrimmage, according to San Antonio Express News that was there covering the uh, game. The penalties resulting from the incident gave Marble Falls a first down. Now, again, the final score was 15-9, so probably a critical play in the game. So, um, obviously, distressed and angry about that call and that decision. These two players took it upon themselves to go make uh, a decision they're probably going to regret for a very, very long time, if not for the rest of their life. So just a, just a note out there to you youngsters out there that might be listening, you got to have control of your emotions. you got to make, you know, you're becoming an adult. Some of you guys playing high school football are adults already. Man, that's no joke intended. Some of you guys are 18 out there playing. And uh, whether you're an adult or on your way to being an adult, as many of you are playing this game, uh, it's time to make adult decisions, which means think before you act. Everyone gets frustrated about referee calls on Friday nights, and uh, there are ways to handle that frustration. This, most certainly, is not one of those ways. So just a message out there to you. All right, still looking for answers as to who is the best high school football team in South Florida. Do you want to continue that discussion? Uh, the number is 347-633-9365 if you want to call in with that. I don't know, American Heritage, if you ask me, is still in that discussion. That was uh, as close a football game on Saturday night as you could have. And full disclosure, I'm a member of the American Heritage football coaching staff, so do need to throw that out there. Perhaps I'm a little biased, but that DeMatha football team completely and totally crushed Central. Everyone saw that on national television, dominated that team from the word go and just continued throughout the game. Come down here to play American Heritage. And uh, listen, that, that game had some crazy momentum swings. You know, uh, DeMatha came out, had a nice drive to begin. A weather delay comes in. They come back out. Drive gets stopped. American Heritage drives down the field twice, only able to get three points, though, out of those two great early drives for American Heritage. Then at some point... Uh, DeMath is up 16-3 at the half. Then American Heritage comes back, and then DeMath takes control. Looks like the game's over. Then American Heritage fights back. If you're in attendance and you didn't have a dog in the fight, uh, you left out of there feeling like you got your money's worth or that maybe you even owed some money because that was a great high school football game. At the end of the day, American Heritage fights back at the end um, in what looked like was going to end up being a tie game as they scored late. And uh, missed the extra point. And that's the way that the game was lost by American Heritage. So you can, you know, the easy thing might be to say St. Thomas. St. Thomas hasn't really faced uh, anyone yet. They faced a Booker T team that's certainly not what they've been, a little broken down. They face a Miramar team who's also another team that's not anywhere close to being what they used to be, as we saw when they took on IMG. They were completely blown out of the game. It was 31 nothing after the first quarter. 
you know, that's who St. Thomas faced. And, again, St. Thomas is a team that's going to have a chance to prove their worth as they've got a couple of big games coming up against stronger opponents. That's Flanagan and Hallandale and things of that like. But uh, as of right now, who do you say it is? And do you give American Heritage some credit for going out and playing some pretty tough games, going to IMG, going out to Georgia and playing a tough Stevens uh, Stevenson team, and then coming back home and playing DeMatha. Uh, no one else has had that kind of three-game stretch in South Florida. I'll say that. No one's played those three stretch, that three-game stretch um, down here at all. So you give them some props for that, and then, you know, the one loss is by a point. No one expected American Heritage to win 19-7 over IMG because IMG has completely swallowed up some teams over the years that have taken them on, and then you know, went ahead and did that the next week against Miramar. So do you give American Heritage uh, a pass for the one-point loss to DeMatha? And is Flanagan proven to you? Is that a, is, are they a proven team? That's the question to ask. So you, uh, you still have a chance to call in on that. The number is 347-633-9365. Coming up on the next segment, it's time to turn our attention to college football. It kicked off this weekend. What are some observations and some things uh, that I saw in this first week of college football? I'll talk about that and more when I return on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. season summer basketball family picnics all around the corner and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers why screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups they're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price more colors mean higher prices how do we solve this do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron that's right with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com you can design your own logos Put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at 1-877-857-2737. That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. back 10:38 here on the gridiron stud show we've already talked a little high school football time to roll into the colleges and uh we were all very happy to see it back college football is back baby and we're very very happy about that it started off on thursday south carolina north carolina kicked this thing off and we had uh, some good action on thursday and friday and also on saturday great great games um on saturday not a ton though because you know week one's Usually blowout weekend as uh, some of the haves take on the have-nots in uh, college football. We saw a great deal of that in the SEC as they pounded uh, their opponents. And just to talk about that a little bit, I'm not one that's big for that stuff. My co-host really is not big on it. But here's some of what you had going down. Georgia took on Louisiana Monroe. That was a 51-14 win. Ole Miss took on Tennessee Martin. All Ole Miss did was hang 76 on these poor guys from some part of Tennessee. Arkansas took on UTEP. That was a 48-13 win. Missouri took on Southeast Missouri, and they beat up their state mates 34-3. Tennessee took on Bowling Green. Now, I didn't expect Bowling Green to put up 30, but Tennessee put up 59 in their own right. And uh, you had Florida taking on New Mexico State. That was a one-sided affair, 61-13 in Mississippi State. Won 34-16 over Southern Miss, a little closer than, uh, as the experts would say, uh, expected it to be. Uh, Some games that went down this weekend, 
uh, that caught my eye in the battle of academics. Stanford, a ranked team, 21 in the country going into this thing, went to take on Northwestern. Uh, as Emil Calamino and I talked on this show, and Emil uh, was uh, a little little more uh, on top of this thing. I didn't have a big opinion on it, but uh, he surely did. And uh, went against Stanford in this one, and rightfully so, as uh, you know, you ended up having Northwestern at home be the winner in this thing. So, you know, that was uh, a great pick by my co-host here. One of his picks in the contest, the uh, the uh, the uh, Northwestern Wildcats were twelve point underdogs. They come out full fledged, straight up winners, winning by ten points. So, good job. Uh, by my uh, co-host here as he picked Northwestern and uh, in that one. Uh, UCLA taking on Virginia. Wasn't sure what to expect in this contest. UCLA rolling out a brand-new freshman quarterback. And, man, he certainly he certainly looked the part. Uh, many talked about Josh Rosen in high school being uh, one of the best high school, uh, most polished, let's say, high school quarterbacks to come out. But you hear that about a lot of prospects each and every year. A lot of them tend to flame out uh, no flame out in game number one for josh rosen 28 of 35 351 yards three touchdowns against virginia not a slap program not some uh fcs program this is virginia you know from the acc albeit not a powerhouse in college football but a legit power five conference team and uh rosen goes out there and makes it look easy as ucla rolls to a 34 16 win over virginia auburn and louisville one of the big games on saturday uh, I thought Louisville gave away some chances to win that game. Uh, they had some chances early on to do some things and uh, turn the ball over some. Auburn's defensive line, though, did catch my eye. They were they were quite dominant. Um, what was a little bit of a – well, not really for me because I you know, went into this season saying this. People are saying Auburn, uh, possible national champions. Uh, I'm saying you're starting a brand-new quarterback. Uh, you got a brand-new defense. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for the guys on defense, Will Muschamp and the like, to deal with, uh, you know, seeing a ton of plays every game. So, as expected, this was a tight one, as expected by me. Uh, It was a tight one. Oddsmakers had this as uh, a 10.5-point game in in favor of Auburn, who did, at certain points in the game, have a lead um, as big as that. But at the end of the day, it ended up being a tighter game. And so uh, the final that one, 31-24. I think Louisville did well for themselves. They got oh, they have some issues at the quarterback position, so uh, they're going to need to tighten up a little bit there. And so that's that's uh, going to be interesting to see how they how they uh, come with that one. That'll be that'll be interesting. Nevertheless, just uh, just as an idea, uh, you know, Louisville. Dropped off, what date? 33. Taking a look at things here. Doing a little quick math. 81 plays. 81 plays Louisville had in a game. So that's what it's going to be like for Auburn this year in that defensive staff. That's the kind of stuff they're going to see. 80 and 90 plays a game. Uh, very hard to play defense under those circumstances. So folks expecting uh, major great things from Auburn's defense because Will Muschamp is there. I'm going to tell you the temporary enthusiasm. There's going to be an adjustment period there. As uh, they try to figure out how you how you go about things when you got an offense that's going to have you on the field uh, as much as the Auburn's defense is going to be on the field this year, whether they, they're having success in a game or not, um, you're just going to be facing a ton of plays each and every week, and so not going to be as easy as people think it's going to be. So, uh, just something for folks to think about as uh, for Auburn football in uh, 2015 so we might want to temper our enthusiasm there a little bit and you know we'll there'll be bigger games coming up down the road for auburn for us to really see where we are with that already talked about some of the blowouts we had in the sec missouri tennessee oklahoma also faced a cupcake they beat up on akron texas a&m and arizona state now i know you folks love offense right uh and that's what we all expected we expected 100 points to be scored in this i've been around long enough uh, that I can tell you I've seen this unfold a ton of times. And that is you get these two high-powered offenses facing each other, and then they kind of cancel each other out. 
38 to 17 was the final in favor of Texas A&M SEC over Pac-12 in that one. Um, but it wasn't the point total that people expected. I mean, 55 points was well under the, I want to say, 70-something um, total that was put on this game by the odds makers out in Las Vegas. So it fell quite a bit short of that. And uh, this was a turnover fest at a certain point. I mean, it kind of kind of got sloppy there a little bit. Um, as the ball, you know, neither team wanted to be able to handle handle the football. They were fumbling all over themselves like I was just now trying to explain that. But uh, you had a total of five fumbles in the game. Three of them lost. Two other interceptions. So it kind of got a little sloppy there. Both of these teams are going to need to tighten up on that if uh, they're going to do anything in uh, college football this year. Just I'm just saying. So uh, that was a, a big thing that I noticed in that football game, Texas A&M taking on uh, Arizona State. In a big In an SEC Pac-12 battle there, as you folks are calling those the two best conferences in college football, a little early season there. Uh, Notre Dame and Texas. All right. This is uh, the discussion there. Already we're one game into Texas's second season under Charlie Strong, and we've got people threatening Charlie Strong's job. And it's being questioned. And, you know, there's disappointment. When you start, this is knee-jerk. But in Texas, not so knee-jerk. Because once that pressure starts, and uh, you know the whole deal, you got a black head coach over there of the Texas Longhorns, not what they're used to there. And you even had some people vocal about it before Charlie Strong even sat in his leather chair in his office. And then you come out to start the season, and uh, it's a 38-3 to whitewashing on national television by Notre Dame, who's not at the top of college football, a good college football team, ranked number 11 in the country, but they're not top five material. And uh, here they are getting punched completely in the face. Uh, 38-3, to and people are talking about what's the deal with uh, with Texas, and is Charlie Strong going to make it to the end of the year? That's like the talk. That's the talk you're getting there. I mean, Texas offense is struggling, okay? Tyrone Swoops is 7 of 22 for 93 yards in the game. Didn't turn the ball over, but mm, just didn't get it done there. The, the ground game was non-existent, 29 carries for 60 yards for Texas. I mean, just no offense to speak of. And um, Is that Notre Dame or is that Texas, or is it a little bit of both? No problems on offense for Notre Dame, I guess. I guess the Fighting Irish made the right decision at quarterback. If you go off of the first game, Malik Zaire, uh, crisp and clean, 19 of 22, 313 yards, three touchdowns. It doesn't get any better than that. Bad news coming out of the game, though. Uh, Terrian Folston, uh, the top running back for Notre Dame, lost for the year as uh, he tears his ACL. And there's just been a ton of those type injuries this season, both at the uh, college and NFL level. That's something I feel like it's going to be looked into a lot in uh, years to come. Uh, Oregon, number seven team in the country. Uh, not the Oregon we're used to, man. Eastern Washington uh, puts 42 up on this team. Now, Oregon did their thing offensively, 61 points, but not what people expected, I think, in Duckland. Ends up being a 61-42 game. Now, there's a game that had all the points, 103 points between these two teams. Uh, Alabama and Wisconsin, Another one of the big matchups on this weekend. Alabama asserts their uh, dominance over Wisconsin. Wisconsin number 20 in the country coming in. I don't know if they'll be able to hold a top 20 ranking or if they'll even be ranked come next week. Alabama rolls with it 35-17. Florida State took on Texas State. Uh, and the final score is 59-16. But, folks, this was 14-10 at the half. Does that concern Florida State fans at all that this game – was like that as far as, you know, as halftime, 14 to 10. What do Florida State fans make of that? Is that just eh, a little bit of a slow start? You know, because you've got some, some new parts in there, namely the quarterback. As uh, Jameis Winston's gone, Everett Golson, the former Notre Dame quarterback, is your signal caller. He was, you know, according to the box score, did very well. Didn't turn the ball over, has been his big problem. But Florida State needed 24 points in the fourth quarter against Texas State to clean this thing up and make it look right. Because prior to that, it was a little bit of a struggle for them. So don't know what to make uh, out of that. Or maybe I do. But what do you Florida State fans make out of it? Number eight, USC rolled in their game against Arkansas State. Some questioned that. Uh, 
your ability to cover the big number in that game, which was, I believe, 27 and a half. And uh, they were able to do that and then some 55 to 6. So let's talk about the picks, man, because, hey, it it doesn't get any hotter than what my co-host and I put down for you folks here that are interested in that kind of stuff. We laid out a fine weekend for you. Just to run through it real quick, my co-host did pick Temple plus seven. They were a straight-up upset winner over Penn State, one of the bigger upsets of the weekend uh, as they took down Penn State, big, bad Penn State, taken down uh, with their Heisman watch list quarterback. Can we put that to bed? Can we get Hackenberg off the watch list? That's done. Temple wins a straight-up win. We already talked about Northwestern being a straight-up winner. And then uh, he also took Virginia. Now, you know, that was a little bit of a squeaker, but a win nonetheless, a 3-0 and for my co-host. He kicks off his college football year quite well with 3-0. and And uh, I was no slouch either. Took Illinois, that raised some eyebrows. They did just lose their head coach, Tim Beckman. But, man, you're taking on Kent State. You just lost your head coach. I went with the angle of these guys are going to be keen and ready and um, – have their mind where it's supposed to be because uh, you just suffered a little bit of adversity there, and they did. They went out and completely smashed Kent State. Took Louisville. Uh, you had to sweat that one out a little bit, uh, but they did cover as a 10.5-point underdog. And then also had BYU, who hung tough in their contest against Nebraska all the way to the end, set things up for a Hail Mary that got them to victory. Straight-up winner, BYU, uh, as a 6.5-point underdog uh, in their contest. Uh, against Nebraska. So I, too, go 3-0. and So a 3-0 and weekend, that's 6-0 and for you folks out there, okay? I mean, where else are you going to go to get something like that? We just absolutely, completely killed it. And if you're not back here on Friday to get this week's college football picks and then our NFL picks as that kicks off this weekend and you're just drunk or getting high or sniffing glue or eating paint chips, something's wrong with you. So if you're not checked back in here Friday – uh, bright and early at 10 a.m., listening to the gospel on uh, college and NFL handicapping from uh, Amo Calamino and yours truly, Chad Wilson, then I don't really know what to say about you. You need to get your act together and figure it out, man, because uh, we're killing it. Nevertheless, I'm going to take a break when I get back. NFL football talk is next. You can join us on the show today, 347-633-9365. Don't be as scared. Call the show. Check us out. And, uh, Let me know your thoughts. Still trying to figure out who people think is the top high school football team in South Florida. We'll be back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Uh, Anytime me and Scott Stone get together, we got to call us the Illuminati. Whenever you see the G, it represents God in geometry. That's what it stands for. I'm going to take you deep with us. Hey, Scott, are you you want to play college football, right? Well, that's not going to happen unless you have a highlight video. And if you want one of the best highlight videos in the country, then visit Under the Radar Highlight Videos right now. They will give you their best. Ten DVDs, affordable, done fast. They'll even remix your highlights or take your huddle highlights and put them on YouTube. And they've worked with some of the best. Deion Sanders Jr., Top recruits in the country are Dory Jackson and Joe Mixon. Current UCLA wide receiver Shaquille Evans, Cordell Brodus, son of Snoop Dogg, as well as top 2013 USC recruit Stuart Cravens. If you want to be seen by the colleges and have the offers rolling in, then you need to contact Under the Radar Highlights right now. Visit them at youtube.com forward slash users UTR Highlight Videos. That's youtube.com forward slash users forward slash UTR Highlight Videos. Get over there, get that video made, and be seen by the colleges now. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, chip stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! All right, well, it's no one's birthday around here. 
Well, we're about to give birth to an NFL football season 2015 coming up here. Chad Wilson here on the Gridiron Stud Show 1055 on the East Coast, if you're counting, if you're looking at the clock. But uh, it's time to turn our attention to NFL football, and uh, it's on and popping for us here this weekend. We've got a big one coming up on uh, the, on Thursday. Get my get, get my act together here, but on Thursday, uh, we got we got some uh, NFL football action coming your way, and uh, I think we sh- I guess we should all be ready for that as uh, the NFL season most definitely kicks off as the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and New England Patriots. Unless that's as big as it gets, doesn't it? Two of the more most winningest. NFL franchises in terms of Super Bowl championships, butt heads on Thursday night. Tom Brady got a get-out-of-jail free card last week, so he's going to show up in this game. That's a big win for the NFL, isn't it? Was there any doubt, man? Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, big-time Thursday night matchup to kick off the NFL season as the Steelers take on the Patriots. Uh, we got a number of matchups coming up. Uh, to kick things off here this first NFL weekend. Packers are taking on the Bears. Chiefs taking on the Houston Texans. Now, I personally am expecting some things out of the Houston Texans. I got laughed down a little bit um, and telling folks that I think Houston's going to win that AFC South division. I mean, am I nuts? Am I crazy? I mean, they ought to be playing some pretty good defense there from Houston. I think they're going to get efficient play from the quarterback. Yes, Arian Foster is going to miss some games, quite a few but I think they'll do enough in that running game and moving the football to let the defense win some games for them, for them. And I think Houston's just going to be better than Indianapolis this year. Call me crazy, but everyone's on the Andrew Luck train, and I'm just not buying it. That guy's piled up uh, some wins and some stats on uh, that AFC South division that has been horrible. And I think Houston's ready to come out of that bad category and make things a little more difficult for Indianapolis. And I just don't like the way the Colts looked. And uh, some big games last year. They just completely manhandled. They look like an FCS school taking on a Power Five conference in some games last year. And I just think that that uh, maybe they're a little bit overblown. Nevertheless, uh, in a friends and family game to kick off the year, because that's all that's going to care about this, is the uh, Cleveland Browns taking on the Jets. The Colts are taking on the Bills. So we'll get to see Andrew look early against uh, Rex Ryan and the Buffalo Bills. See what uh, Mr. Andrew Luck, see if the Andrew Luck train can keep expressing its way through the NFL and see if folks are real happy with that. The Dolphins are starting off against a train wreck known as the Washington Redskins. They're four-point favorites in that game, so what's that tell you about the Redskins? Nevertheless, Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars is another friends and family game. The Seahawks are going to kick things off this season against a St. Louis Rams team that's given them all that they can handle over the last couple of years, and that uh, NFC West division is going to be highly combative, if I could uh, use that term, this year, so uh, right off the rip, you get a divisional game. There's the Seahawks take on the Rams, Saints taking on the Arizona Cardinals. What are the Saints bringing to the table this year? What do the Cardinals bring to the table? And uh, so happy for them to have Carson Palmer back, sorely needed. So we'll see what happens there. Lions going to travel out to San Diego. What will San Diego bring to the table? Are they on the down swoop? Are the Lions on the up swoop? Matthew Stafford and the boys, are they ready to take the next step? We'll find that out. And in a battle, reliving uh, a matchup in the college football playoffs last year, rookie Tennessee, rookie Marcus Mariota, who is a member of the Tennessee Titans and the starter for the Titans, will be traveling to Tampa Bay to take on former Florida State quarterback Jameis Winston and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Funny how that worked out. Cincinnati Bengals and the Oakland Raiders. What are the Raiders bringing to the table this year? Uh, is this a year that they kind of rise out of the depth? Do they stick their hand out of the grave that they've been in for the uh, last decade and start making some moves here? We'll find out as they take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals go out there and lose to the Raiders. The uh, get rid of Andy Dalton fire will start burning. The Broncos, they got a real contest starting off this year. They're going to take on the Baltimore Ravens. My pick my pick to be in the Super Bowl this year. I just want to point that out. And so uh, what will Peyton Manning and the boys do? I'm saying Peyton and friends might miss the playoffs. I mean, the guy's throwing ducks, man. This should be his last year. No word on that, though. Cowboys are the Sunday night game. They take on the Giants. That's going to be fun and interesting. 
whole bunch of Odell Beckham stuff going on. And then the Cowboys, many people expecting uh, to take that next step and jump into uh, jump into the Super Bowl. Man, I'm hearing Super Bowl talk for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Are they going to make good on that this season? And can they kick things off with a solid performance to start the year off? So that's your Sunday and Monday night, as we always do, we kick it off with a doubleheader. Eagles and the Falcons. What does the mad scientist Chip Kelly have ready? And a brand-new Falcons uh, head coach. They're kicking in a new head coach there, and they're going to, uh, you know, see what they got as they take on the mad scientist Chip Kelly and uh, see what they've got there. And then the later game is the Minnesota Vikings travel out to take on the San Francisco 49ers, who uh, people – should not expect much from this year. They've had a tumultuous offseason, to say the least. And uh, we're going to see what happens there. I like the Vikings to be a, a pretty decent team this year. So that's your slate. That's what you've got going on. I mentioned this in the Lightning uh, Sports Update. Jason Pierre-Paul has reported to the New York Giants. As many of you know, he was a victim of a fireworks accident on the 4th of July in which his Index finger had to be amputated. JPP has showed up with four digits on one hand. Says he's playing in the uh, opener against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Giants have said, hold on a minute, maybe not. Let's really take a good look at this thing. He could begin the season on the uh, non-playoff injury list, at which point the uh, Giants can decide whether or not they want to pay him or not. They do have that option since the injury occurred in a non-football-related incident. Uh, if they do put him on that list, uh, wow, it's going to be very, very interesting for not only Giant fans but uh, everyone to see as to whether or not the uh, Giants are going to pay Jason Pierre-Paul. I think a lot of that will depend on what they think his future is. If they don't think it's much of a future, I can see the Giants kind of skirting their way out of paying that. So a lot of eyes on that situation. And uh, we'll be following that as well. Another big situation is what's going on in Seattle with their, their Pro Bowl safety camp chancellor. He is holding out, still has not reported to camp. Doesn't look like he'll be playing game one. But you know how these things go, fans. You know, you get scared, you get worried about it. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? At some point, camp chancellor has to show up because when those checks stop coming and the Seattle Seahawks just collect his pay and don't have to pay the guy, uh, eventually things will start to break. And, you know, you got the feeling when you watch Cam Chancellor and the rest of those guys back there, they really love football. And how long can Cam Chancellor sit at home on the couch and watch football games as the Seattle Seahawks go out there and fight for a third straight trip to the uh, Super Bowl? How long can he continue that? So there's the whole money issue, and then there's the I want to play issue. So really, the team has the leverage here, so... Uh, my take on this is Camp Chancellor is going to eventually show up. Um, he's going to have to take the deal that's there, finish out his contract, might be some bitterness, and Seattle may very well lose it. Listen, this is a price you pay when you win Super Bowls in this day and age. It's very rare that you get uh, you know, 45 men that want to just go ahead and take the pay that's being handed down by administration to keep things together. That just doesn't happen anymore. So somebody's going to ask for some money, and they did pay the running back, and they did pay the quarterback, and they did play the cornerback. So, you know, Cam wants his money too. Not everyone's going to get it. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But do expect Cam Chancellor to break at some point on this holdout because he wants to play football, and he would like his checks. Might not like the salary he's at right now, but he does like his checks. And so uh, if he continues to miss those, that's definitely going to be a problem. What are the Packers going to do? You know, What are the Packers going to do this season? Um, many expecting them to take that little extra step. They were oh so close last year to making it. And uh, a special teams mishap kept them away from that. But what are they going to do this year? They're going to start the season off. Uh, no Jordy Nelson. And... Uh, you know, Randall Cobb is probable, but he's going to be uh, less than 100%. So what are the Packers going to do? They are starting off against the Chicago Bears, who no longer have Brandon Marshall. But they do have the head case at quarterback there. So uh, many would expect the Packers to go ahead and win this game on Sunday. But uh, how strong will they be? That's uh, going to be the thought process there. And what are the Dolphins going to do? 
is this just a foregone conclusion? The Dolphins looked good in the preseason. Uh, sometimes that's a big old trap, but they're pay- they're playing a Washington Redskins team that just can't figure it out. I'm having to think Kirk Cousins is probably um, right now the better quarterback for the Washington Redskins. Now, having said that, I do want to see RG3 get the hell out of Washington. It's just not the right place for him, and it's not been a place for him to start his career. Um, and I think there will be less controversy and more stability with Kirk Cousins in there as quarterback for the Washington Redskins. Do I think Kirk Cousins is a better quarterback than RG3? Not necessarily. That's not what I'm saying. I just think Kirk Cousins is better for the circus that's going on in Washington. So what are the Dolphins going to do there as they go and battle the Washington Redskins? And uh, are, are are we looking for the Dolphins to, A, make it into the playoffs? And if they do, how far? That's going to be the questions that will get answered. And if they go out there against the Washington Redskins and are tripping over themselves a little bit and have some of the same issues that they've had in past years, they can't complete the deep ball, can't sustain drives, don't look well on offense, and then have little breakdowns on defense, then uh, it's going to be that kind of season. But uh, everyone and their mother expects that defense to be dominant, especially with the names and uh, guys that they can put down on that defensive line. So I think that's the biggest thing everyone wants to see. What is that defensive line going to look like? And in turn, what's that going to have? the uh, entire defense looking like. I, for one, would like to see that. So the NFL is upon us. Um, I'm excited about it. So I want to see these games going down. And, again, we have a great one on Thursday night. So excellent on that. All right. So that's the end of this show here. Appreciate you all for tuning in. And, again, like I said, for sure Friday we've got our uh, kickoff weekend kickoff show here. And uh, if you missed the 5-6-0 and and weekend, let me say, the 6-0 and weekend that Abel and I laid out for you, uh, have no despair. We're back at it again on Friday, and this time we got NFL picks for you as well. So it could be a very big monster weekend. Uh, stay tuned on Twitter. Follow me on social media to see about a possible show for tomorrow night. Other than that, I'm on Thursday and I'm on Friday. Got to have that big three college football report coming up on Thursday and also some uh, more high school football talk on Thursday. And again, the big weekend kickoff show on Friday. So I'd like to thank you all for listening to the show today. Thank you for making the Gridiron Stud Show a featured show on Blog Talk Radio. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!